0: 2 verse 20 interestingly enough we are in galatians right now where the primary uh problem here is legalism now again i would not call this mass thing legalism however like i said it is very quickly the slope or the ditch that we want to avoid is that this becomes an outward some sort of outward form of righteousness or that we're somehow more loving if we wear one or we're somehow more loving if we don't wear one whatever whatever side that you're on and so they're all concerned about outward obedience to the Old Testament ceremonial law. In the Old Testament, there was the ceremonial law and there was the moral law. The moral law is the Ten Commandments. The ceremonial law is a lot of the stuff you find in Leviticus about the way that we offer sacrifices and the way that you wash and these, and these different things. Those things were never meant to save. They were meant to be rails that kind of guided us until the fulfillment of the law came, which was Christ, okay? Um, and so what has happened in Galatia, which was a, regi- a region in Asia Minor, where Paul had planted several churches—not just one city, but throughout this region—is that they had accepted Christ, but now people had come in and they said, "Yes, you need to follow Christ, but you also need to obey the Old Testament ceremonial law, primarily circumcision, some of the other laws, and also separation between Jews and Gentiles." Okay, God has always loved all people. Jesus came to die for the world. In the Old Testament, when God told Jews to be separate from the Gentiles, it wasn't because he didn't love Gentiles. He intended to save them just like he intended to save the Jews, which is why he sent his son to die for the sins of the whole world. However, what he wanted is he didn't want intermingling between their pagan gods, their demon gods, and the one and the one true God, and so there was a season, a time, an epoch throughout history where God had this so under the law, but now Christ has come. He has fulfilled that, and now um, in Christ Jesus, just very quickly, chapter 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, and heirs according to the promise is the brothers and sisters we do we, we just have no clue how amazing our salvation is is that if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ you have been born again and though once you were a descendant of Adam naturally and you still are in a sense because you're going to die but you have been born again and you are now an heir of Christ whether you were Jew or Gentile, you are also Abraham's offspring because we are heirs of the promise that was coming to Christ and that he fulfilled for us. And so Paul in Galatians, quick overview, he, he is just, he is fired up, man. I don't know how else to say it. He is lit. He's angry. He is not taking this legalistic teaching that they, again, they're not necessarily taking away from Christ, but they're adding to Christ. And in adding to Christ, they're minimizing Christ. Okay. So it's subtraction by addition because they're adding these things, saying Christ's sacrifice, faith in him, justification by faith alone in what he has done is not enough. We need to add to it. And by extension, he says that takes away from him, and Paul is having none of it. Okay? So, very quickly here, just to show you some of this language, um, chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but that there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached let him be accursed as we have said before so now i say again if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received let him be accursed so you see verse 8 and 9 paul basically says nothing different he just repeats himself over and over and over which makes me feel a lot better about my parenting at times at the time i'm like dad we heard that you gotta get it there is no other gospel other than that, you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Jesus paid it all. He finished it through his death, burial, and resurrection. There is no righteousness that you can add to it. And Paul is lit about this. And he, he uses very strong language. That, those, that word there, accursed, a Greek, anathema. Uh, if you've ever heard of somebody being anathematized, it's, I mean, damned, Cursed. If they preach another gospel, because there is no other gospel, and it minimizes the sacrifice of what Christ, of what Christ has done for us. But here, getting back to chapter 2, again, I, I, for the sake of time here, we've got to go. But chapter 2, verse 20, probably the most important verse in the entire book. Again, what sometimes is we're reading through books uh, of the Bible this year, through the New Testament. It's a challenging question, Um, it's somewhat subjective, but it's a helpful question to ask, and that is, if you had to pick just one verse in the entire book, or the entire letter, to sum up, or the main idea of that book, what would it be? Again, this is subjective, but I think you could make an argument that chapter two, verse 20, would make a good case. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How many of you have heard that verse before? Anybody? That's a good one. It's a good one. Um, The reason, well there's several reasons that Paul is, is bent out of shape about this legalistic teaching, but here's the one that he's where this verse comes into play and that I wanna talk with us about this morning or talk to you about this morning. That is, it's not just that the law can't save you. That's true. If you're looking to be saved by your own righteousness or your own merit system, and here's the thing, we all make up our own merit system. I go to church more than that guy, (laughs) so I'm better than him. I give more money than that guy. I serve more than that guy or that girl. And we, okay, we all do that, and it's wonky. But here's the deal. It's not just that the law can't save you. Listen, it's that the law cannot change you. It's not just that the law will not save you. Brothers and sisters, the law will not change you. And this is big, okay, because this right here is where day-to-day, Most Christians, not all, but most Christians that I talk to that are struggling, it's because they know they can't save themselves, they trust Christ, but they sure are pretty certain they can change themselves. And if you're living out of a lie that you can, okay, I I can't save myself, but I can change myself, you are going to be perpetually frustrated, (laughs) which is where a lot of Christians live, perpetually frustrated and they think they are not legalists because they say, well, yeah, yeah, I can't save myself. Well, you can't change yourself either. You can't justify yourself. You can't sanctify yourself. And so this was the argument that Paul, that Paul was, was dealing with. Let me give you an illustration of what it's like to try to change yourself by the law. Um, Hannah and I and the boys went and got a golf cart recently if you follow my wife on Instagram, I don't have any social media of any sort, but you may see a lot of pictures of us cruising around Lake Buckhorn region with our little golf cart. Top speed, 19 miles an hour, man. It's a thrill ride for a second. But it got me thinking about when I was, when I was little, I had a cousin who we were less than a year apart, and so he and I were buddies and we'd run around. and My, my grandpa died when I was like six, I believe, I was pretty little. But he had started making us this go kart before he passed away. And he never got a chance to finish it, but he made the frame and it had a seat and it had four wheels and it had a little place on the back of it for an engine, but he never, he never got the engine put on. And so me and my cousin, when we were little, um, we would still use the go-kart though. And we would take turns. One of us would be driving and the steering wheel really worked. And the way it was powered was that the other one, we, we, would, we would take turns pushing each other, okay? And man, we just thought, we thought this was awesome. Because before we didn't even have, we didn't even have a go-kart. Now we have this go-kart, didn't have an engine, but man, that's just, that's just all we knew. And so that's, so that's what we did. We made the best, and we, we were, we were okay with it, okay? Because we were little, and we didn't really know that there was supposed to be an engine. that <laughs> drove it around. But brother or sister, if, if you're, if you're trying to change yourself, maybe you admit, no, I'm not trying to save myself by the law. Yeah, but are you trying to change yourself by the law? I want to tell you, you're just pushing around the go-kart. And and here's the thing, here's the thing, okay? Let's talk here. That's okay, and that'll be fun for a while. But it fails on many levels, okay? And I want to work with me, okay, with this analogy. Okay, it's not perfect. But number one is that if you're pushing around the go-kart, if you're trying to change yourself by works of the law. Um, Number one, it's only going to take you so far. Let me tell you what we never did with our little go-kart. Okay, We never said, Mom, Dad, see you. We're going to Dover. This was in Berlin. We never did that. We just kind of stayed right around the neighborhood. (laughs) That's all the farther we could go. Number number two, it it wasn't sustainable. We had to take breaks because we got tired. You know why? It was exhausting. And again, if you're trying to change yourself by works of the law, by just, by just trying harder, my heart goes out to you because if you're tired, and you're like, man, But And this, this is what happens for Christians then, okay? They get tired because it's exhausting because it doesn't work, okay? The go-kart of the Christian life wasn't meant to run without an engine, and we'll talk about the engine here in a little bit. But then, Everybody's tired. Everybody's wore out. But then here's the other thing. Everybody's confused about it. Everybody goes, why? Why am I tired? I don't understand. I trusted Jesus. I know I can't save myself. And, but man, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying so hard to change. Yeah. You're pushing the go-kart around. That's not how it was meant to run. Here's the other implication, okay? Okay. So we pushed it around this little go kart when we were like five, six, seven years old. But how weird would we have looked if we would have still been pushing, pushing each other around in that go kart when we were like 16, 17, 18 years old? Okay? Now it's cute when you're a kid, it's not cute once you're old enough to drive. All right? You follow me? And I, and I want to say that I don't want to be. Just mean for no reason, but I want us to get it. And I do hope it tears some things down as I say this. Brother and sister, a lot of you look weird. Trying to change yourself. Pushing around the go-kart. For 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. and see, it fails on every level. You're tired, you're exhausted, you're grumpy, you're not happy, Christ is not being glorified, and you look goofy. Amen? Let me tell you about the engine. Oh, guys, the the Christian life Mm. what Jesus did for us. Oh, man. It's not, there, to be sure, there are principles in God's word that are to be followed and, and wisdom to be used. He's given us a mind to be renewed and to think. That's fine, but, but, but at the heart of the Christian life, the go kart that we all live in, zip around in, it's not in our own efforts, it's not in our own strength. Listen, it's in His. It's in His. Here's how it works, okay? Try to explain this. Chapter 2, again, verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now listen to him. It's no longer I who live. I don't push the go-kart anymore. It's not in my effort, it's not in my strength but it's Christ who lives in me, that's the engine. It's Christ who lives in me. Brother, sister, if you've trusted Christ, look at me. It is Christ who wants to live his life in you. The same God that was there at the beginning and spoke everything into existence By his powerful word and upholds everything by his powerful word. He lives in you. But it is Christ who lives in me. And this life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. How do you tap into this power, this engine of the presence of Christ so that you do not have to be exhausted, so that you do not have to look foolish, so that you do not have to go just only so far in your Christian walk? How do you do this? Number one, you have to die. Not just once, but daily. You have to die. If Christ is going to live in you, that means you no longer can live. There's a Carrie Underwood joke here about Jesus take the wheel that I'm trying not to say, but. Um, <laughs> no, never mind. <laughs> but Jesus lit- really does need to take the wheel in your life. This means you need to get out. And don't just get in the passenger seat or in the back seat. Go put yourself in the trunk and lock it. That's death. And then let him go. And this crucifixion, when Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, I want, I want you guys to understand this and how this is built upon your justification. So, Because again, most of us, again, there's probably maybe some here that you actually, you're not born again and you think, Like, you're not made right with God. Like, if you were to die today, you would not be with him forever in heaven. You would go to an eternity in hell, because you've not been justified by the blood of Christ. The only way that salvation happens is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, for it is by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is a free gift of God. It's not by works. Nobody can boast about it. What's faith? Faith is simply just clinging to who he is. It's turning away from all that we are and, and, and clinging to who he is. But many of us here this morning like I said, we, we know that we can't be saved by our works. So we've trusted that but how do we functionally change by it? When he says I've been crucified with Christ, here's the thing many of you think that Christ died for your sins because that's what you've been taught while at the same time hear me, it's going to be offensive but it is what it is while at the same time thinking that you're not actually that bad. Christ died for you because you, listen, deserved to die. You deserve to die because of your sin. I didn't say that. God says that. It's what God says about you. You you deserve to die. And sometimes the reason we don't live <coughs> in the power of the Spirit is because we don't die to ourselves daily. And the reason we don't want to die to ourselves daily is because we think that we deserve to live. We're not that bad of a person. No, you, 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 you deserve to die. And Christ now has to live in you. So, number one, if you're pushing around the go-kart, if you're exhausted if you're not experiencing the power of Christ, in, first and foremost, I would ask, do you understand that you deserve to be punished for your sin? You say, yeah, Eric, you know, that, 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 that's paid for. Well, do you also understand that now, daily, you need to give up the wheel? Je- see, here's the thing, guys. Jesus will not be used as an engine just for you to steer wherever you want. He gets everything. He's, this is where... He is absolutely positively Savior he is also Lord many times when people share their testimony they'll talk about getting saved making Jesus their Savior and then making him their Lord and I know what they mean but even our language betrays that we don't understand what we're talking about nobody makes him Lord he is Lord it's just many of us acknowledge him as Savior but we don't acknowledge him as Lord we don't die to say we don't acknowledge that I need somebody else live this life in my body in my flesh like Paul says I need Jesus I want you to I need you to so number one so we've been crucified and then he said but, but how do we do that? it's no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith not by feelings by faith in the son of God roll back up a couple more verses. I'm going to go to one other passage and give you another illustration that Paul gives. It's kind of an inspired illustration, but go back to verse 17 for a second. He says, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. So the argument is this, Paul, you're saying that you're justified by faith, but like you, you, you still sin. So Christ is, a, is, a, is an agent of sin Paul says, no, certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. Now listen, verse 19. For through the law, listen to this phrase, I died to the law so that I might live for God. (coughs) What does that mean? This is very important, okay? Let me interpret it, go over to Romans chapter 7, okay? Trying to interpret the Bible with the Bible. Romans chapter 7 paul is going to say the same thing in romans chapter 7 verse 4 i want you to look at this okay he says likewise my brothers you also have died to the law through the body of christ so that you may belong to another to him who has been raised again let me i know i'm being repetitive here again verse 19 in galatians 2 for through the law i died to the law so that i might live to god romans 7 verse 4 you have died to the law through the body of christ now in Romans chapter seven, Paul gives a metaphor here that he doesn't give in Galatians. He's making the same argument, argument, but he gives a metaphor that I think helps us to understand this. Romans chapter seven, verses one through three. He says, or do you not know brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while she lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Here's the metaphor, okay? Look at me. Follow me. Here's the metaphor. The metaphor is this. The metaphor is that we, as people, are married to the law, okay? Verse 2. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law. So he's saying, if the husband dies, and the husband, so far in this metaphor, for is the law then this wife, us, we would be freed from it. You following me? Okay, now continue. Paul's, he, he doesn't mean to be confusing, but you gotta follow him, okay? You gotta re- read carefully. Verse three, accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive, okay? While if her hu- but if her husband dies, she is free from the law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. So we are bound, the wife, to the husband, the law. This is not good, not because the law is bad, but because we're bad, we can't, we can't obey it as a means of salvation or change, sanctification, okay? So, so far, Paul's analogy is, you, you think he's gonna say, so the law dies, okay? Because that's what he's, so, but, if, but if he dies, then, then we're free, okay? But now follow me, look at verse four. That's not what he says. The law does not die, listen, you die. Verse four. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. It gets better. So that you may belong to another. So Paul's setting it up. Husband, wife, us. But the law, you, th- you think he's going to say the law is going to die. No, no, no. The law can't die. The law is holy and righteous and good. That's been Paul's whole argument up to this point. He's going to argue it again uh, here later on in Romans chapter 7. The law can't die. There's nothing wrong with the law. There's something wrong with us. So who dies? We die. How do we die? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Christianity is not just an acknowledgement of something that we just do with our brains, with our minds. It is a supernatural miracle that takes place by the power of God in the human heart when they cause to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You are born again. That is the truth of the gospel. It is a miracle, brothers and sisters, and we are not nearly As amazed by it as we should be. It is a miracle. There is no greater miracle than that God could take sinners, his enemies, people who hate him, and cause them to love him. And this happens because when we put our faith and trust in Christ, it is as if we died on that cross. Again, here's what I wanna say it is a metaphor, but it is not just a metaphor, it is a spiritual reality. That happened, that happens in the human heart when somebody becomes born again. This is why the angels rejoice. There is a party in heaven when a sinner comes to, because it is a supernatural miracle, an act of God that happens in the human heart and it is going to count for all of eternity. It's not just, oh yeah, heaven, hell, Uh, no hell, please. Take heaven. That's what we've made it. That's how it's been wrongly taught. You have no hope apart from God doing a miracle in your heart. Man, what do I do? Here's all you got to do cry out to Him. That's it. Believe, trust Him. Do that. If you can. Trust Him. Trust Him. It is open. Whosoever will may come. But know this, that when you come, and here's kind of the last part of the metaphor, and I've got to wrap up here, but you die to the law, but look at the last part of verse 4, still in Romans 7, so that you may belong to another. This is where our, our... our Christianity easy believism, betrays us is that you have a whole group of people who they absolutely want to die to the law because they don't want the law to rule them. Listen, but they do not want to be bound to Christ. Are you tracking with me? This is massive. Here's the thing. So we have an entire swath of people in our culture Say, yeah, man, grace, grace, it's all about grace. I'm not bound to the law, but they have no love for Christ. They, They don't understand that, yes, they died to the law, but they died so that they could be raised and be bound to another. Brothers and sisters, your freedom that you're looking for is found through being a slave to Christ. And this sounds like paradox to us, but I'm telling you over and over and over again, this is how the Bible talks is that your freedom can only be found in being bound to Christ. Because if you have Christ, everything else becomes as nothing. And you are, you willingly say, I've been crucified with Christ. I don't deserve to live. Let Christ live in me. And yes, well do you still sin? Absolutely. In those moments when I choose to sin, it's because I'm not choosing to love Christ. I'm not loving him as I should. I'm believing the lie that Eric Miller deserves to live. That Eric Miller is okay. That Eric Miller doesn't need help. And I'm a hypocrite. Because at the same time, I'm acting as if that's true. I've made a confession that I deserve to die. And that's why Christ died for me. Worship team, you come up. We're going to close. Listen, just just bow your heads with me for a second. I, I know it's, it's been a different morning here. Talking about the mask thing at the beginning. Now all this. But guys, I... um, Right now, what the world needs is not masked or unmasked Christians. What the world needs... Is crucified Christians, people who have died, and are now letting Christ live in them. I'll, I want to ask you something here as we close. Do you? Well, 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 let me ask you this way. When's the last time you woke up aware of the fact that a supernatural miracle working god wanted to live in you that day did you wake up that way this morning or did you wake up thinking uh here we go again feeling weak feeling tired oh brothers and sisters my heart i my heart breaks for you and i just want to give an invitation this morning that right now where you sit know that the God of the universe loves you and that he desires to not just by principle not just by principle not just by disciplined effort but he desires by the power of his spirit to live his life in you but you got to be willing to die Father, I just pray that you would make us a, just a band of crucified followers here at Mercy Hill. Oh, God, I, I literally, Father, before you this morning, I weep because of my own sin. And because of my own arrogance at times. Thinking that I know what's best or thinking that I should be in control of my life when I'm the one that wrecked my life and then had to cry out to you to be my savior. Father, please, please, please live your life in us. Not just individually, but together corporately. And Father, for all those here this morning who are just plain tuckered out because they've been pushing the go-kart for so long. Oh, Father, would you please, please right now, just give them an extra measure of your supernatural strength. Let them rest in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.